His call to worship comes from Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Welcome to Worship Creston Church. We've been praying for you as you gather for worship in all your different watching and listening places. All of you are part of the thronging worshipers that we just sang about. We pray that each one of you has an encounter with our living God. The good news for us today is that the living God is here and he's there wherever you are in each of your many different places. If this is the first time that you've joined us, welcome to Creston Church. You can find out more about our church by going to crestonchurch.org. Today we continue to consider the latter part of the book of Genesis. These texts provide the accounts of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. We hope that these portions of God's Word will encourage you on your spiritual journey of growing in faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. You can find the order of worship in today's email. It contains everything you need to participate fully in our worship service. Now as we continue our worship, I invite you to stretch out your hands right now as a visible sign 
of receiving God's greeting right along with everyone else who is watching and listening. My friends, God has called us to worship, and now he greets us, and he says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said together, Amen. Would you join me in prayer? Loving God, you call us to turn away from our own selfish interests, to take up our cross and to follow you. To find our lives, may we live them in service of your mission. As we come before you this morning, give us open hearts and open hands. Make us eager to hear your voice and seek your guidance. Open our minds to your ever-present spirit that is always moving within and around us. Open our spirits to your nudging and open our lives to your love. Amen.
is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Amen. Good morning, Creston. My name is Joel Spriegel. Please join me in a prayer of confession. Eternal God, in whom we live and move and have our being, whose face is hidden from us by our sins, and whose mercy we forget in the blindness of our hearts. Cleanse us from all our offenses and deliver us from proud thoughts and vain desires, that with reverent and humble hearts we may draw near to you, confessing our faults, confiding in your grace, and finding in you our refuge and strength, through Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen. We serve a God of love, a love that is greater than anything anyone can imagine. God expressed that love through his Son, Jesus Christ, who came down to us and laid down his life for us. Our assurance of pardon comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 15. Greater love has no man than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends.
our worship also includes our offering. As we have just been reminded again of God's grace toward us, our best response is to offer our entire lives back to God. Offering money is just one way that we can do that. During these times of being apart, you may give your gifts using the postal system or our online giving process, making sure to clearly designate which causes you want your offering to be shared with. The deacons are so very pleased to acknowledge your faithful and continued giving to Creston Church. They encourage you to also consider our special offerings that are listed in the Friday emails. Today's special offering is for our missionaries, Abraham and Elaine Lee. They serve the Christian Reformed Church Mission Agency, Resonate Global Mission. Their ministry is based in Tijuana, Mexico. And the Lees focus their work on leadership development, spirituality ministries, and church and family ministries. In just a moment, they will share a brief video ministry update with us. Our weekly offering is for the other ministries of our church and our denomination. What God has called us to do as a church here in our neighborhood and city and what God has called us to do all around the world. May God bless you as you give. Please remember to check those Friday emails. It contains lots of information for you about our church family and the ongoing ministries of Creston Church. Even though we're quite limited in our physical comings and goings, many of you are finding new and creative ways to serve God and each other. God's blessings to you. Now I'd like to share the prayer concerns that we have received in the last few days. Whenever I say, Lord, in your mercy, please respond with, hear our prayer all together. The Ipples hope to fly home this past Friday, August 7. Please pray for this process. They need to present negative COVID tests to the Nicaraguan government with very specific time frames and quick lab turnaround times, which will be simply out of their control. Please pray for the process and all of the pieces that need to come together and that they might feel peace this week. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Many of you know our seminary student intern, Matthew. Matthew's Oma, his mom's mother, passed away unexpectedly last Wednesday morning at the care facility where she lived. The service was this past Tuesday in Brantford, Ontario. Please pray for God's comfort. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Also give thanks that Matthew preached his very first worship service sermon this past Sunday at his home church of Hope Christian Reformed Church in Brantford, Ontario. This is a very special milestone in the journey of his seminary training. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Please pray for Julie's father, Norm. He was recently placed on hospice care and is lonely because of the visitor restrictions. Pray for his health and for protection from the virus, as well as for the staff and residents at the Holland home. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
Please pray for the Newman family, our missionaries in Lithuania. They were on a trip to Estonia this past week when the bus they were traveling on was involved in an accident. The bus was turned over on its side, making it difficult for them to get out. But thank God they are okay. They're shaken up, and they would appreciate your prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Jane's sister Julie's blood markers were not in an acceptable range for the second week in a row in order for her to receive the treatment that has been prescribed to treat the metastasis in her body. Please pray for Julie and her family and Jane, who is her main caregiver. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Little Francesca Renee came speeding into this world on August 5. She and her mom are doing well. They're thankful for all the love, support, and prayers, and they feel blessed to be able to raise another of God's beautiful children. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. If we're willing to pay attention, we can see God at work all over the place. So be sure to share a story by sending an email or a video of your special God sightings. And now I invite you to please join me in our prayer for the people. We praise your abiding guidance, O God, for you sent us Jesus, our teacher and Messiah, to model for us the way of love for the whole universe. We offer these prayers of love on behalf of ourselves and our neighbors, on behalf of your creation and our fellow creatures. Father in heaven, as a result of Hurricane Isaias, we pray for those who have experienced loss of loved ones and property. Provide them with support, encouragement, and resources. We pray for the many thousands who were impacted by the explosion in Beirut earlier this week. Help them to experience a sense of peace and comfort that comes from you in this sudden tragedy. O oh God, while new challenges come our way on a regular basis, we continue to also struggle with the many troubles of COVID-19. Bring healing to the many that are ill. Give strength to their caregivers. Bring an end to the spread of this horrible virus. Comfort those who mourn the death of their loved ones and friends. Help each of us to go about our daily activities carefully and safely. Once again, we lift up to you the Epple family, Matthew, Julie's father, Norm, the Newman family, the Lee family, Jane's sister, Julie, and newborn Francesca. Father, as a new school year begins soon, we find ourselves experiencing unsettledness about the impact of COVID-19 on the education of our children as well as adults. Give wisdom where it is needed. Give trust in you where it is needed. Give every student a longing to learn in every environment and situation. 
Oh God, we continue to pray for Creston Church and the many ways that we endeavor to serve you and our neighborhood. Give your guidance and wisdom to the council as they meet this week. Risen, living Christ, we embrace your gift of resurrection power. We open our whole being to your invitation to join you in moving from deadness into fullness of life. We respond yes to your call to live. Jesus, spirit, companion, friend, you embrace the whole world with human, divine love and caring. You ask each of us to show our love for you by tending and feeding your world and its people. Enable us to recognize the people and places to whom we are being sent. Enable us to offer love. Open us to fresh expressions of your loving of us so that we can be more whole and more accepting of ourselves and out of that acceptance move toward others with trusting hearts. Turn us from mourning into dancing. Loosen our sackcloth and gird us with gladness. Christ Spirit, you go before us and call us into the future. Encourage our community as we form and reform ourselves as your body. Just as the revelations of Easter energized the first disciples, so we would be energized to dream new visions and to be open to new risks and to the unknown. We join your embrace of the whole world with our prayers. In the name of our living Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Hello, Kristen. Greetings from El Paso and Ciudad Juarez, Mexico. We are standing in front of a small orchard that I've been working on during this pandemic. It's my first time doing it, and I've been having so much fun watching each seed grow into something like Korean radish and serrano, Mexican hot pepper. This morning, we would like to share with you three of our prayer requests. First, we praise God for our college-age children who display their best interest in their spiritual growth. We bless them as they continue to dream to serve God with their given talent. Just like yours, our kids are eager but reluctant and confused to go back to their school, either on campus or online. So please pray for Nathan and Nahum. Also ask for prayer for our daughter, Naomi, who still remains in Korea. Second, All Nations Seminary here in Ciudad Juarez has decided to open up their campus for this upcoming fall semester. There will be only 25 students on campus, mainly from local communities, who counts for half of the previous semester. The other half decide to stay home and take online classes. Due to the effect it has toward the students, churches, and families, they fear further effect it will have in their own lives and their loved ones. Third, we ask for prayer for our local pastors and church leaders as they've been deeply challenged within their ministry. A challenge they've they've been facing uh, is the poor internet access. They are limited to offer live stream worship services or Bible study services. According to a doctor in Texas, Mexicans are most vulnerable individuals even before the COVID-19 threat due to their obesity in all age groups, diabetes, and lung diseases. 
and hypertension. Um, many pastors are constantly helping church members with their losses. Therefore, do not have time preparing online services due to their lack of tools or knowledge. A group we know, a couple we know, uh, has reported three or four losses uh, of their extended family members just in the last month of July. Many have suffered and mourned for their families here in Mexico. Thanks, Kristen, for adopting us and our local kingdom partners into your daily prayer. We bless you. We thank our God that our children continue to hide God's word in their hearts. They've made some videos that show us their efforts. Thank you, kids, for being a wonderful example to all the rest of us. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life will find it. For the next few Sundays, our children and youth will be using the Safe Church Environment curriculum called Circle of Grace in place of their regular children's worship. There will be separate videos for roots and saplings, and the sprouts and seedling ages will be combined. The first step of Circle of Grace is to watch the video together. The second step is to complete the activity together at home designed for both the parent and the child or youth. You can access both the video and the activity through the Friday and Sunday weekly emails. We hope and pray that this will be a helpful and special time for your family to build a good foundation for healthy relationships. May the Lord be with you and also we now have the privilege to turn to God's word and read from that and then hear some thoughts on that passage. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, to chapter 21 of Genesis. Genesis chapter 21. And now that you've found that, I invite you to join me in prayer. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our lives, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. Genesis chapter 21, and we will begin reading at verse 8. The child, that is Isaac, grew and was weaned. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, Get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, Do not be so distressed about the boy and your maidservant. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. 
I will make the son of the maidservant into a nation also, because he is your offspring. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered into the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. And then she went off and sat down nearby, about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there nearby, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It can be frustrating to listen to a sermon when the preacher continually goes off on sideline tangents or what we like to sometimes call bunny trails. It's hard for us to follow along and make sense of what direction the sermon is going. However, the Bible is full of bunny trails, even though it's primarily about God working out his plan of salvation for his people. It includes stories that are outside of the main storyline. We read about people like Cain, Noah's two sons, who were not the ancestors of the nation of Israel. Lot, Absalom, and you can probably think of many others as well. Today's message is totally about one of those bunny trail passages, the story of Hagar and Ishmael, who were not part of that long New Testament line of Abraham and Sarah's descendants, the nation of Israel. Through the writing of Moses, God must have wanted the readers of Genesis down through the ages, including us, to see something of this God, even in these stories that sometimes can seem like bunny trails to us. Isaac is about two or three years old. His 90-plus-year-old mother, Sarah, has been breastfeeding him ever since he was born. But now that method of feeding and nourishment has come to an end for Isaac. He is a survivor of the ancient world dangers of childbirth and childhood diseases and has become a toddler. Isaac's survival is the reason for that great big party. So his 100-year-old-plus dad, Abraham, decides to celebrate this milestone of being weaned by putting on a huge feast. Everyone knows that if Isaac could get past the age of two or three 
it is most likely that he will be strong and healthy enough to grow up into adulthood and become one of Abraham's heirs. And everyone also knows that Isaac is supposed to be the one who is going to be the recipient of God's special promise or everlasting covenant. So it's time to rejoice. Everyone that is part of wealthy Abraham's household and domain is there at the banquet, including Abraham's oldest teenage son, Ishmael, along with his mother, Hagar, who is a servant. You might remember the story of Ishmael's birth from Genesis chapter 17. Sarah thought she would help God out in the process of conceiving children for Abraham. But she got pretty upset when Hagar was pregnant, so Hagar ran away for a while. And that was when God stepped in to encourage Hagar with some instructions and promises. She should name the baby Ishmael which means God hears. Every time she called her son by name, she could always remember that God heard her when she was in trouble. God also told Hagar that her son would live in conflict with those around him when he grew up. God continued to give promises about Ishmael when he made his covenant of circumcision with Abraham. Ishmael was circumcised right along with every other male in the household. He received God's promise too. God would be his God. And even though God's plan for the nation of Israel would be worked out through Isaac, God promised Abraham that he would bless Ishmael and make him into a great nation too. God knew how much Abraham loved his son Ishmael, who's about 13 years old at the time of this party. At some point during the festivities, Ishmael begins to make fun of Isaac for some reason or other. There's a play on words in the Hebrew text because the words for Isaac's name, the word for Isaac's name, Yitzhak, and for this mocking, Ma'atzak, comes from the same root, Za'ak. Can you hear that similar guttural sound in all three words? Za'ak means laughter. But Ishmael's treatment of Isaac is a stronger, nastier version of laughter. Maybe he's teasing him about being the baby of the family. Maybe it's something about being born to a hundred-year-old man and a very old woman as well. Whatever the specifics of that mocking are, Sarah sees it, and boy is she mad. She's not just a little bit angry, she's furious. Listen to her speak to Abraham. Get rid of that slave woman and her son. She doesn't even call them by name. Those promises that God had made about Isaac, well, Sarah knows them too. There is no way that she's going to let this other son of Abraham stand in the way of her own son, Isaac, and the inheritance that God has promised. Sarah is kind of like a mother bear, and she takes steps to protect her little cub. But this all puts Abraham in a hard spot, right in the middle of this big celebration. 
He knows God's promises about both of his sons. If he does what Sarah wants him to do, what does that mean about the promises for Ishmael? Abraham is very upset and very worried. Promises, promises, promises. We hear them all the time. We even make some of them ourselves. In courtrooms, people raise their right hand and promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. We hope that the truth will be told, but the fact is, people tell lies in the courtroom all the time. They break their promises. Legal documents get prepared for all sorts of dealings, rental agreements, employment contracts, opening bank accounts. What makes them active and legal is our signature. It means that we promise to keep up our end of the agreement. But look at all the lawsuits that are filed for failure to comply with the terms of the agreement. More promises broken. We take out loans for all kinds of reasons, mortgages, home improvements, college educations, and cars. And when we sign our name on the line, it is our intention to pay back what we owe. However, look at all the repossessions, foreclosures, and bankruptcies that occur because borrowers fail, for a variety of reasons, to pay back what they promised to pay. It's summertime, and it's the season for many weddings. Brides and grooms make exclusive promises to love, honor, and cherish each other as long as they both shall live. We love listening to hear them. We love listening to them make those promises. And yet we know what happens all too often. Temptations are everywhere, and God's command to engage in sexual activity only within marriage often gets ignored. The wedding promises get broken, trust is compromised, and the next thing we know, another divorce takes place. In every part of our lives, it seems like promises so often get broken. It can even make us wonder if God is able to keep his promises. God's biggest promise is to be our God and that he will enable us to be his people. Will he keep that eternal covenantal promise? What if God can't or won't keep those promises? Will the pandemic or racial unrest somehow prevent God from keeping his promises? Maybe God doesn't always keep his word. That's certainly what the devil would love to have us think and believe. He would love to have us be frustrated, to be doubtful, to be discouraged, and to be upset. Just like Hagar, just like Ishmael, just like Abraham, just like Sarah. But then God interrupts Abraham's worries about his son Ishmael. God says, don't be so distressed. God says, Go ahead and do what Sarah wants you to do. He says, I'm going to be able to keep my promises to you about both of your sons. 
God is going to be a promise keeper because both of these boys are sons of Abraham, who is God's first chosen partner in his great covenant. Abraham must have felt a great amount of trust in God's words because right away he gets Hagar and Ishmael all prepared and sent off on their way. The next parts of the story still seem quite a bit challenging and difficult, though. The two of them wander around in the wilderness in the northern part of the Sinai Peninsula. They run out of food and water. Hagar ends up putting Ishmael under a bush where he is near death from dehydration. They're both in tears. It sure doesn't seem like God is doing a very good job of keeping his promises. But then there's a voice. It's God's voice coming from heaven, calling to Hagar. He says to her what he says to so many people throughout scripture. Don't be afraid. Even though the passage never mentions Ishmael by name, God reminds Hagar twice in verse 17 that he hears the boy crying. The Hebrew text says, Shema, or God hears. It sounds very much like the boy's name, Ishmael. God is listening. Maybe God is keeping his promises. And then God helps Hagar see a well of water. She eagerly fills her skin with water and gives that water to her son. And then fast forward into his adulthood. God provided Ishmael with everything that he needed to survive. Skills, a mother to guide him, and a wife obtained in the same way that Abraham would find a wife for Isaac by going back to the mother's homeland. Later in Genesis 25, we find that God keeps his promise to give Ishmael many descendants and make him into a great nation. God keeps his promise to Hagar and to Abraham, even when it seemed almost impossible. As Gordon Wenham says in his commentary, God proves himself to be dependable and gracious. He is faithful in performing his promises to each person. Not only does he give Isaac to Abraham and Sarah as their own child, but he hears Hagar and saves Ishmael also, making him, for Abraham's sake, a great nation. God is faithful in keeping his promises to us today as well. Many of us can remember specific times in our own lives when we know that God has been a faithful promise keeper. The biggest proof of God's promise keeping lies in scripture over and over and over. When Moses was passing over the mantle of leadership to Joshua, he told Joshua and all the people in Deuteronomy 31, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of the people in the land for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And that's exactly what God did. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12 about his thorn in the flesh. 
Three times, Paul writes, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We know that God's grace was sufficient for Paul. God enabled him to be the greatest missionary the world has ever known. God kept his promise of sufficient grace to Paul. But few of us Christians are ever called to experience the laments that are described in the book of Lamentations. In 587 BC, God's people faced a bottomless pit of despair when Nebuchadnezzar's army besieged, starved, and destroyed Jerusalem. And as the people were led off to Babylon, they felt like they had lost everything, including God. They had lost their holy city of Jerusalem, their place of worship, the temple, their homes, their livelihood, their freedom, and their sense of God's protecting love. Lamentations 3, verse 22 and 23 is deliberately placed in the middle of a written sandwich of despair. Before these verses, and then following them, the horrors endured by the devastated people of Jerusalem are graphically described. And in the middle, Jeremiah writes these words, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God kept his promise to love his people, even during that great time of despair. Eventually, God brought his people back to the land of Canaan. Even in the tumultuous times that we are living in, we can trust in what God has proven over and over in his word. God keeps his promises. He makes the biggest and the best promises to us in our baptism. God says he will be our God. God says he will write his law on our hearts. God says he will remember our sins no more. God says Jesus Christ gives us pardon and peace through the blood of the cross and of the covenant, which is poured out for money. God says we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God says we will live and reign with Christ forever. All of these promises fill us with awe at the magnitude of God's love for us. These are words of comfort and the promises of eternal life. This is love promised in capital letters. We celebrate these baptism promises every time we come to the table and share the bread and the cup. We remember the sacrificial death that Jesus died on our behalf. We are reminded of God's love and covenant faithfulness. 
We are united to Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are united with each other in the bond of the Holy Spirit. We have hope for the future return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some liturgies of the Lord's Supper actually say, Our Lord Jesus surely will do what he has promised. Promises, promises, promises. God's rescue of Hagar and Ishmael is a great bunny trail or tangent to God's great story. It's a wonderful reminder to us that God keeps his promises. And finally, listen in to what Jesus says as he talks to the Father about us. Jesus says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. More and more promises from our Savior for now and for all eternity. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for your promises. We stand with confidence on your faithful promises. Enable us to trust you to always be our God. To fulfill the ancient promise of salvation, O God, you made a covenant with our ancestors and pledged them descendants more numerous than the stars. Grant that all people may share in the blessings of your covenant, accomplished through the death and resurrection of your Son and sealed by the gift of your Spirit. Amen. Your works above
great is your love.